Hello and welcome to The Long Short, a new podcast brought to you by AIMA, the Alternative Investment Management Association, focusing on the very latest insights on hedge funds and private credit. My name is Drew Nicholl. AIMA is the global representative for the alternative investment industry, with around 2,000 corporate members spread across 60 countries. Of these, our fund manager members account for approximately $2.5 trillion in hedge fund and private credit assets. Each weekly episode of The Long Short will examine topical areas of interest from across the alternative investment universe with news, views and analysis delivered by AIMA's global team, as well as a host of industry experts. So whether you are a hedge fund or private credit industry veteran, a student of the industry, or just someone interested in learning more about hedge funds and private credit, this podcast will be your ideal companion to help navigate you through the long and short of this fascinating industry. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of The Long Short. We are really flying through the numbers now and I suspect we will blink and be at episode 100 already. Right, Tom? That's right, Drew. Episode 21, wow. Um, I I guess we can only be extremely grateful for the diversity and the expertise of our guests on the show to date And, and none more so than today. That's right. And this week we are taking a brief break from the roller coaster activity in public markets to focus on all things private, which we have only touched on a few times in earlier episodes. We hear a lot about the increasingly blurring of lines between managers that focus on public or private markets, which is primarily driven by so-called traditional hedge funds launching new strategies that offer them and their investors exposure to private markets. This in turn is due to the impressive gains that private markets have boasted in recent years. And hedge fund participation in private deals has grown significantly in recent years. And to help us understand where this trend is today and how it's been affected by the pandemic and more recent events since the start of this year, we are joined by Freddie Parker, co-head of Prime Insights and Analytics at Goldman Sachs. Freddie, welcome to The Long Short. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So, Freddie, you're the co-author of a report that looks at why hedge funds are turning to private markets. What was the genesis of this report and and what were the key findings? So we put this paper out uh, called Going Private um, in the uh, the third quarter of last year. And I'd say there were two things that really drove us to write the piece. The first is we've seen really in the last couple of years a, a dramatic increase in activity amongst our hedge fund client base in privates. It went from being, in relatively short order, a a relatively small handful of clients that were active in privates to a much larger number. Um, And on top of that, what had become clear to us was there are some significant shifts through time in the dynamics through uh, public and private market investing, which are driving a broader structural trend here. And we wanted to explore and understand how hedge funds fit into that picture. So the report looked at um, how hedge funds have grown their involvement and become increasingly important in the the arena of of private investments. Um, Specifically, there's one subsection of of private markets, which has been the epicenter of this, and that is what we would sort of generally view as being on the the spectrum between late stage venture, growth equity and and crossover investing. Um, And that's where we've seen, I think, the most uh, significant levels of of hedge fund investment activity. Um, At the same time, what we've also seen, I think, is increased appetite from from allocators to hedge funds in uh, investing in strategies managed by hedge funds that have some degree of of private exposure. And I think the the level of of willingness to underwrite those strategies has has significantly increased as well. Um, So we've just seen this sort of confluence of all these different uh, trends and themes, which I think has has driven this this shift. 
And to clarify, um, Freddie, the report focuses on, is it equity-oriented investments within private markets, right? Not private credit, yes? Correct. Um, so there has been uh, investment, I think, on the, on the credit side by many traditional credit hedge funds within private credit. Um, I think, though, where we've seen probably the most uh, acute acceleration of this trend has been much more on the equity side. So that's the piece we explored for this report. So can you quantify then the size of the hedge fund participation in private investments today? How has that changed from recent years? It's dramatically increased, as I said. Um, So hedge funds last year, by our measure, ended up representing about 20% of all the dollars that were put to work. Um, across the uh, the sort of private equity and venture capital space. So we're including VC, we're including growth equity. Um, there's small, some small component of, of buyout deals as well there. Um, collectively, hedge funds, we think, put about uh, $275 billion worth of capital to work in those markets last year, um, across a total of more than 1,500 deals, um, which is a pretty remarkable stat in and of its own right. Um, to give you a comparison data point, um, so 2020 was was the biggest year previous to that. Um, we saw 750 deals, give or take, um, and about $100 billion worth of capital deployed. Um, those numbers have been easily surpassed in the first half of 2021 alone. Um, so really a, a substantial acceleration in that, um, that, that level of activity. Um, our team tracked close to 100 hedge fund managers that we see active in privates. Um, that's seen a significant increase again in recent years. Um, and it's something that we see continuing to grow. Um, what we have seen when we've worked with new launch hedge fund managers is actually uh, the percentage of new launches that have some component of uh, privates or the ability to invest in privates built into their structures from day one has also increased. So you've got not just established managers turning to private markets, but also new launches setting out um, in their business and investment strategies the the ability to do privates from day one. So that's really interesting, actually, because I guess common wisdom would say that that it would be the larger hedge funds that were diversifying and heading into private markets. But you're suggesting that uh, the opportunities in private markets are so great that even uh, new launches are seeing the benefits of being ready or being uh, prepared to to go into private markets from day one, which is which is certainly not something that I would have thought of in the first instance. But when we talk about the ways that hedge funds are getting involved in private markets, uh, I, I brings to mind the the SPAC mania that we uh, all experienced a few years ago, and and everybody had to quickly brush up, or I know I did at least, on on what a SPAC was again and how exactly that works. And so it would be interesting to hear to what extent SPACs and also co-investment arrangements are playing a part in uh, helping hedge funds uh, are growing in private markets. Let's treat the two of those separately, because I think the, the dynamics are probably a little bit different in each case. Um, so SPACs, I think, are very important to, let's call it the demand side of the equation on the private side. Um, so the SPAC boom that we saw in 2020 and 21. Um, provided a route to the public markets for private companies. Um, So as an alternative, essentially, to an IPO process, uh, private companies were ending up on the public markets via the mechanism of of SPACs. Um, So what it contributed to was, generally speaking, booming capital market conditions. So you had an IPO market that was uh, really very strong in, in 2021, Um, On top of that, you had all the capital that had been raised by SPACs uh, looking for 
acquisition targets in the private markets. And essentially, those are both mechanisms that provide liquidity to take private companies public. Um, the increasing pace of public market liquidity, I think, is one of the things that has drawn hedge funds into this space. Um, and the, the sense that there was a, a category of investments that may be categorized as, as sort of semi-liquid. So not private equity investments that you expected to hold for you know, five to 10 years, but actually private investments that you would invest in with the expectation that relatively quickly they would be yeah, they would be going public. And generally speaking, there was a valuation discrepancy there. So what you could do was sort of capture the, um, the premium uh, by investing in a late stage private round. Um, and then in relatively short order, you often saw these companies ending up on the public markets um, via IPOs, but also via SPACs. Um, and it was not uncommon, I think, to see a, a, you know, a six-month gap between the last private market funding round uh, and a, a public listing, either via an IPO or a SPAC, which, again, just makes it easier for a hedge fund as a public market investor to, to get involved and to feel comfortable doing so. So I think SPACs were very important in, in driving that trend. Um, on the co-investment side, look, I think co-investments were and, and remain helpful as a structure for hedge funds to house private investments within. And particularly, I think, where we've seen co-investments being used in the first instance is as a, uh, a sort of exploratory foray into the private space. So let's say you're a hedge fund manager, you have a traditional hedge fund vehicle which really only uh, has the mandate to invest in public market investments, but you've started to see deal flow on the private side and some of it looks particularly compelling, then a co-investment might be a way for you to um, get some exposure to that, uh, offer said exposure to your LPs, but without having to restructure your vehicle or create some entirely new structure within, to, to, within which to hold um, these, these private market investments. And then on top of that, I think um, even those managers who do have the wherewithal to invest in privates in their funds, um, co-investments offer a route to, to upsize. And particularly, for example, if you want to lead around um, and you want to be putting capital to work in, in larger size, then you might need uh, some extra dollar firepower, which goes beyond the sort of individual position limits that you might have in your fund. And again, co-investments are a good way to raise that additional capital and provide uh, LPs some more exposure to some of these uh, these deals that you see. Uh, and Freddie, your report notes that um, hedge funds are entering the venture capital arena at earlier stages. Uh, can you explain to our listeners why that is and how it might help businesses looking for you know, that early capital? The first thing to say is that I do think most of the activity has been focused on the later stage uh, within VC. Um, if you think of this in terms of funding rounds, it probably means round C, round D, um, and, and later. Um, what we have seen, I think, is this concept of crossover investing being particularly powerful. And, and I talked about some of those dynamics around the late stage private uh, versus public market valuation discrepancy. So I think that's been a lot of what's driven um, the sort of the first forays of, of hedge funds into private markets. But what we have seen, I think, is as funds have done more private market investments and they've increased their comfort level investing in privates, they've grown their, their footprint and, and their, their brand and reputation in the space. Um, we have observed a tendency for some funds to push earlier and say, 
let's look at the series B, let's look at the series A um, and, and expand our, our remit through time. Um, from a business's point of view, um, hedge funds can be a pretty appealing capital partner. And I think they have some aspects of differentiation versus the traditional private market investor base. Um, one is capital duration, um, which is to say traditional private markets investors, um, VC, PE, growth equity funds, generally speaking, are structurally required to uh, exit their position once the company goes public. Um, so maybe there's a sort of post-IPO lockup period. But after that, generally speaking, what they'd be looking to do is return their capital to uh, to, to investors, so sell out of the position. Um, hedge funds obviously have the flexibility to be able to continue to hold those businesses through the IPO and into the public markets. So part of it is the appeal of having investors who are going to uh, invest in private rounds, but perhaps invest more at the IPO and then stay with you through the, 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 the public market phase um, of a business's life, which obviously provides uh, a degree of stability to the, to the shareholder roster, which is, which is appealing. So it's not reinforcing that view around how hedge funds are becoming more partners in this area, right? So taking on that alignment and deepening that alignment, rather, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's a, a, a couple of other not, uh, dimensions as well. One, I would say, is just the the nature of ownership that hedge funds are looking for, which is generally more passive, actually. Um, so hedge funds tell us we're not looking to take board seats in the way that a VC firm would. We're not looking to uh, impose upon the business our view on how they should run their company, but we're happy to invest with them um, and, and really sort of leave them to it. So particularly for companies that have already taken VC funding and maybe uh, have granted some external investors seats on the board, the, the fact that hedge funds are happy to be passive holders, I think, is, is appealing. Um, but at the same time, I think hedge funds are also still happy to lend expertise where necessary. Um, and often as not, I think that uh, comes in the form of helping to um, almost coach and provide advice to companies on the transition from being a successful business in the private markets to being a successful business on the public markets. Um, and hedge funds, I think, would argue that as long-standing successful public markets investors, they are able to share insights into how uh, public companies should be looking to uh, engage with their investor bases in the most successful ways, help these companies understand what are the ratios that um, public markets investors are going to be most focused on. How should you be presenting yourself as a business to the public markets as distinct from when you were a private company? Um, and then, of course, the last thing is there is a dimension of um, credentialization that hedge funds can lend to these companies through that private to public transition. So often as not, part of the rationale for businesses taking hedge funds as investors into these later rounds is to put a well-known public market investor's name on the cap table, um, which then provides um, the, the public markets uh, the, uh, the sort of um, reputation uh, associated with, with a you know, prominent public markets investor being a hedge fund, um, having already underwritten this company. And I think that's a, that can be a, an appealing uh, thing to do as you think about how to best prepare your company for an IPO process. Freddie, if I could just take you back to something you said a moment ago about uh, hedge funds drifting into the earlier funding rounds. I appreciate that most of their activity 
is around the CD, but but by the sounds of it, some are drifting into those earlier rounds. And if that were to continue and, in fact, accelerate, might there be a chance that this would disrupt the traditional life cycle of a business as it moves from pre-IPO to IPO and then what you often expect in the trajectory of share prices as uh, some of those large private equity firms exit their positions? Might that be disruptive? My expectation is that I think most of the hedge fund activity will still remain focused on later rounds. Um, I think there's more of a natural adjacency to the uh, the investments that hedge funds are making on the public markets. Um, and additionally, the illiquidity uh, associated with those later rounds um, tends to be less pronounced than, than the earlier rounds. So again, it's more uh, naturally a fit with the liquidity investments that I think hedge funds w- would be making. Um, as to how hedge funds disrupt, um, I think they already have to an extent because of their willingness to to get involved in, in these later rounds. Um, it's, it's almost opened up a new pool of capital to private companies, um, which has had an effect on um, the uh, the ability to raise capital in those in those later rounds. Um, just generally speaking, I think the influx of capital into uh, these these sort of private market strategies, particularly um, in the in the later stages, has actually um, probably increased the options that private companies have, um, and in, in in certain extents. In certain cases, uh, rather, has probably driven private companies to raise an additional round in the private markets versus going public. Um, so it's definitely had a had an effect there. Um, I think it's been a, a disruptor to the uh, the traditional business models of the VC and, and growth equity community, um, and, uh, and and I think continues to to be be so. The AMA Next Generation Manager Forum 2022 returns in person for its ninth year on Thursday, the 26th of May at the Sofitel London St. James Hotel. The forum provides a platform for the exchange of ideas and the development of peer networking for senior individuals at emerging alternative asset management businesses. Throughout the afternoon, discussions will focus on how to keep on top of regulatory requirements, digitalization to streamline and costs, asset raising, and speakers will share practical ideas and guidance on how to successfully start and manage an alternative asset management firm. Register today on the EMA website to hear the discussions, network with peers, and to join the evening drinks reception. We hope to see you there. So just taking a step back then and making sure I'm clear on where this demand for uh, entering private markets is coming from, how much of this is driven by not just the hedge funds, but their underlying investors as they become more sophisticated and demand more from the hedge funds that they in turn are invested in, in terms of access to private and public markets? I would say this has been predominantly driven by the managers themselves. Um, Although, of course, they wouldn't be able to do it unless there was a willingness amongst investors to, to underwrite it. So clearly the the tolerance uh, and appetite that investors have for this is, has increased um, to, to be able to allow managers to, to make these these moves. Um, ultimately, I think the most important thing here has been the shifts in the market dynamics. And I think especially in, uh, in growth sectors and for hedge funds that focus on growth-oriented investing, 
there has been a move in the opportunity set away from the public markets to the private markets. So what we've seen, I think, is that companies now raise more capital in the private markets. Um, we did some analysis in the report comparing um, how things looked for companies 15 years ago versus, versus now. Um, companies go through more funding rounds on the private side. Um, the median business that IPO'd in 2006 um, had done just one pre-IPO equity funding round. Um, that was three by last year. Um, the amount of capital that's being raised in the private markets by an average company has gone from somewhere around $40 million 15 years ago to well over $200 million. Um, so, so much of the financing of the earlier growth stages of companies happens now in the private market sphere. Um, and I think what's happened is in, in many cases, uh, growth investors on the hedge fund side have recognized that opportunities that might traditionally have lived in the small and mid cap sector, uh, small and mid cap uh, sections of the public equity markets have actually migrated into the private markets. Um, so I think that's been the most powerful driver um, as, as investors have realized that the, um, the opportunity set has shifted across the divide. And so, Freddie, are, are investors then, um, are, are they becoming more okay with hedge funds investing in more illiquid parts of the market? I mean, there have been concerns in the past regarding hedge funds involvement in that area. So I would group um, investor responses to this trend into two uh, buckets of those that will do it. Um, there is still a contingent of investors who, who won't underwrite this. And generally, um, it's it's driven by their, their own liquidity constraints. Um, but I would say, you know, there's a category of investors who are really enthusiastic proponents of this. There is a category of investors who I think are uh, reluctantly accepting that this is happening. Um, but in some cases saying, if this is the price of getting access to a particular hedge fund manager who we think is a great investor, then it's a price we're willing to pay. Um, from an investor standpoint, I think there's there's pros and cons to this trend. So to deal with the, the pro side of the ledger first, um, firstly, privates have been a great way to enhance returns in recent years. Um, and I think that's something that's um, been probably front and center in, uh, in investors' minds. There is also a, uh, a volatility dampening effect um, driven by the fact that private positions are uh, relatively infrequently marked um, versus a public portfolio, which obviously takes a mark every day. Um, it gives, I think, investors exposure to um, new investment opportunities. Um, and on top of that, I think there is some view that uh, due to some of these advantages that hedge funds have that, that I mentioned earlier, um, as as to why companies might choose them as, as capital providers versus other investors, there's a sense that maybe hedge funds actually get access to a different realm of opportunities that you might not uh, get in your traditional VC private equity portfolio. Um, there's a capital efficiency dimension to this as well. Um, so particularly when you have managers who are investing in privates within a uh, a traditional hedge fund structure, um, the thesis is that managers can relatively seamlessly toggle between private and public markets. So when the opportunity set looks good on the uh, on the public side, they can focus their efforts there. 
when relatively speaking there's more to do in privates they can they can uh, focus their efforts there as an investor it's very difficult to dynamically shift capital between a private bucket in your portfolio and a public's bucket so hedge funds have the advantage of being able to be a little bit more seamless and, and dynamic in, in making those shifts um, and on top of that um, if you are an allocator who doesn't have a mature venture capital portfolio hedge funds might actually give you an opportunity to relatively quickly build up and scale um, some exposure to those those opportunities. So those are the things I think investors like about this. Um, on, the, uh, the, on the downside and, and the things that I think concern investors, um, one is a, just a sim- simple uh, logistical uh, question when it comes to the way that portfolios are set out, which is often as not um, managers are bucketed within investors' portfolios and diligence processes are run relatively separately. So when you have a hedge fund manager running privates, that's a a structure that sometimes lives between two different silos and doesn't have a natural home in a portfolio. Um, There's, generally speaking, the effects that it has on the liquidity of your overall portfolio. And especially if you have a large private markets allocation separately and hedge funds are supposed to be something that's towards the relatively more liquid end of your book, um, then hedge funds going into more illiquid investments like privates can, can be a concern in, in, that, uh, in that sense. Um, there is some hesitancy around um, hedge funds' competence in privates compared to PE and VC firms. And there are there is definitely a school of thought among some allocators that they would rather leave the private investing to the private specialists and have their hedge funds be there public markets focused uh, investments. Um, and on top of that, you know, there, there are experiences of prior crises um, and the attendant risks around illiquidity. Um, 2008 definitely li- lives long in the memory of hedge fund investors and uh, all of the, uh, the scar tissue that goes with that. So I think there's still um, some concern in, in some parts around um, whether this presents a, a risk um, along those lines. Um, and on top of that, the, the rush of capital into this space definitely gives some investors pause. Um, there's some wariness around, is this strategy drift uh, on the part of managers? And given how many uh, dollars have flowed into the space in recent years, is this something that is um, you know, becoming uh, a little bit of a bubble? Um, and, and should we be worried about that? So those are the the sort of the the, the range of concerns that, that you get um, from from investors. One thing I will say though is we have seen, even since we wrote the paper, signs of maybe a little bit of uh, diminishing appetite on the margin from investors for this. Um, I actually think it's driven predominantly by what's going on within investors' portfolios more broadly, which is that a lot of dollars have been allocated to privates. Period forget hedge fund portfolios, but the dollars that have gone into private equity and VC portfolios um, and the uh, also the great performance that has um, uh, been been driven by those uh, those investments has meant that in many cases, investors have a lot of accumulated illiquidity in their portfolios. Right, yeah, so right now, I think there is just a little bit of wariness of, do we really want to add more illiquidity in what is supposed to be the uh, the more liquid end of our book? Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Until now, we've been talking about hedge funds in the round, but are you able to offer any more granularity 
on the types of strategies that are most likely to enter private markets? And are you also able to give a sense of the average allocation to private markets compared to their primary strategies? So we see this as being a theme uh, predominantly, but not exclusively, uh, amongst equity long short managers. Um, so of the managers that we see active in the space, about 85% of them are equity long short. Um, again, that's a very sort of natural adjacency. Um, if you drill down into the types of equity long short managers that are doing this, um, they tend to be growth biased in nature. Um, many of them are TMT or healthcare or biotech specialists. And again, that sort of aligns with where the deals are being done. Um, and generally speaking, it is a minority of most managers' businesses. Um, I would say allocations to privates of no more than 15 to 20% um, are pretty common. Um, there are definitely examples that we can point to of managers who've significantly scaled their privates' investments. And there are definitely some examples of managers who've become so large in privates that you might argue that definitionally they're closer to being uh, PE or VC firms than they are hedge fund managers these days. But for most, it's a relatively small uh, allocation compared to their public markets businesses. And Freddie, are there, are there particular sectors that hedge funds are looking at more closely in that area? Yeah. So if you look at the deal activity, um, largely this is a theme, I would say, in healthcare and in infotech. Um, if you look at the deal activity last year, um, those sectors uh, represented about 70% of all the deals done. Um, for comparison, at the, at, during that period of time, um, those sectors represented about half of the market cap of the, of the S&P 500. So there's definitely an, an overweight towards those, those sectors. Um, away from those, if you look at um, the other deals that are being done, they're generally somewhat tech adjacent. So in consumer, it's, it's tech-oriented consumer businesses. Um, if you look at financials, it's fintech. If you look at energy, it's uh, opportunities related to the climate transition and clean tech. Um, so there's a, a very profound uh, growth and technology skew, I would say, to, to the deal activity. And, and everything you've said so far makes perfect sense, uh, although I, I've, I've learned a lot even in a short time. But was there anything that surprised you uh, when you first got the results back? I think the first thing that um, was really just an eye-opener for us was the, the size and scope of, of hedge fund activity. Um, it's something we'd seen anecdotally going on over a multi-year period, but um, when you put the numbers around it, it's, it's, pretty, um, uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, the biggest surprise, and there's a little bit of a debunking of a myth in here, um, was around the, um, the dynamics in the markets. Almost everyone that we spoke to when we were putting this piece together told us companies stay private longer these days. Um, and it's something I hear uh, as being almost like the, the gospel wisdom of the private-public theme. Um, the reality is companies are not staying private any longer, um, certainly not in recent memory. So if you compare the time to, from founding to IPO for companies in the 2000s, for example, versus now, um, it's actually pretty similar. It hasn't, it hasn't moved significantly. Um, what has happened, though, is in that period of time, you've had this, the condensing of a much greater amount of fundraising than was ever the case. And I think everyone seems to, to conflate those two things and say um, companies raise more capital in the private markets, therefore they stay private for longer. Not actually the case. It's just that they raise a hell of a lot more capital whilst they're still in that private phase. Um, so that was one of the uh, the big surprises for us when we when we put this together. And, and Freddie, just looking um, to the events of this year, um, you know, 
markets are not immune to the wider uh, macro and geopolitical trends, um, including you know the market turbulence that we've seen in recent months. Um, are the trends that you reported on in Q3 last year, are they still uh, very much um, a, a growing area of interest? Is that still a continuing trend that you're seeing? So it doesn't seem to have slowed down too much for now. Um, if you look at deal activity thus far in Q1, um, it's actually remained pretty elevated. Uh, it's it's a little bit lower than the quarterly run rate we saw last year, but it's pretty similar to where we were in sort of Q3 or Q4 of 2020. Um, so it's not dropped enormously. Um, I think the uh, the big question mark is around the reaction function of private markets to what's going on on the public side. So what we've really seen, I think, is um, through the turbulence of not just year to date, but actually even looking into what was happening last year, there has been um, a lot of um, uh, of compression in valuations of particularly the growthiest areas of public markets. Um, and of course, private markets operate somewhat uh, removed from, pri- uh, from, from, from public markets, but they can't, uh, they can't remain um, divorced from what's going on on the public side forever. So it logically follows that if valuations are coming down on the public side, then the private side will have to, will have to follow. Now, the question is, um, does that slow down hedge fund activity on the private side? And at least the thesis that many managers have outlined is that they will go where the opportunities are and they can be agnostic between um, public and private side opportunities. So perhaps... Um, with valuations being lower on the public side, we'll see hedge fund activity there pick up relative to privates. Um, but as I say, there's there's a little bit of a lag on all of this. It takes time for these things to to play through because of the fact that you don't have a you know a mark to market on a daily basis in in the private markets. But I think as we get through the end of the first quarter and the end of the second quarter, then then we'll start to see that reflected. I think the uh, the tricky thing on a more immediate basis is. Um, what the slowdown in capital markets activities means for this trend. Um, so as of earlier this month, we had seen U.S. equity issuance at $23 billion on a year-to-date basis. Compare that with the prior period, uh, the, sa- the same period in 2021, it was $172 billion. Um, so we're looking at something that uh, is a uh, you know, significant slowdown in, in, in the capital markets, um, and if you don't have the, the, the easy path to liquidity through an IPO um, or even through a SPAC, and it feels like the SPAC uh, boom has, has really quietened substantially at this point in time, does that make hedge funds slightly warier of getting involved in private investments um, at the expense of, of public investments? So I think that's the theme that we're probably watching most closely as to how this affects the dynamics in, in, the, uh, in the public-private arena as far as hedge funds are concerned. So all in, you've painted quite a complex picture there of of conflicting and multifaceted issues that are contributing to this trend. But if if you'll allow me to put you on the spot uh, briefly, could you could you describe whether you think this trend will continue at its current pace or or similar for the foreseeable future, or is this something as you say that's somewhat a, a creation of its time? I think it's probably a little of both. Um, I, I'd like to say this is a one-part cyclical phenomenon and one-part a, a secular or structural phenomenon. Um, on the cyclical side, um, I think clearly there has been a lot to do on the uh, within the private markets, and, and that opportunity set has been what's drawn hedge funds in. 
Um, it will be interesting to see, having heard managers repeatedly make the case that they can be agnostic between the two, uh, if as the opportunity set shifts back towards the public markets, we do see uh, capital move back in that direction. Um, so I think there is a cyclical dimension there and levels of activity will fluctuate. Um, on the structural side, it does feel like, particularly for growth investing, um, the game has has changed. Um, for as long as we have large and well-developed private markets, um, it's unlikely that hedge funds are going to want to ignore that opportunity set. Um, so I expect that the hedge funds that have uh, broadened their capabilities to be able to do privates will continue to be active on that side. I think the question is just this cyclical one of where does the balance lie in terms of how dollars are being allocated? And I would expect that to continue to shift through time. Well, as we as we draw to a, another very insightful um, episode um, of this week's podcast, um, certainly every day is a school day on the long short. Um, Freddie, uh, can you give our listeners a quick preview as to you know what you're working on next, your next piece of research? So we actually just published yesterday um, our latest piece, which is focused on um, hedge fund survivorship um, and something we looked at uh, around what we call the emerging manager premium. So what do you get in terms of additional returns um, as a reward for underwriting managers early on in their life cycle? Um, we've worked with uh, an enormous number of new launches as a, as a prime broker. We have a, a data set that spans every new launch we've worked with all the way back to the start of 2009, and we've used that data set to address those questions. Um, and there's definitely some interesting themes that, that come out there that I think uh, underpin how uh, emerging managers are an important part of the, the hedge fund ecosystem um, and offer something, I think, differentiated as a proposition to, to investors. So um, that's that's hot off the press. Um, and then as as we look uh, further into the year, we're, we're about to start work on a, on a piece on DEI and holistically how that's affecting hedge funds as well as other segments of the alternatives industry. Two areas of, of, of enormous interest as well across our membership. Um, and hopefully we can get you back on the show again uh, to talk us through the uh, findings of each of those reports. Thank you very much for your time, Freddie. Um, on the long short, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. The Long Short was brought to you by AMAT, the Alternative Investment Management Association, the global representative for the alternative investment industry. As always, you can get the latest episodes by subscribing to The Long Short on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, or by streaming episodes directly from our website, AMAT.org. Thanks for listening.